just get involved and just try and do what you can. Give your talents, give your time. And it seems like a, a lot of land was purchased and a lot of money and it seems like a lot of work, but it's done day by day. And it's done week by week and month by month and year to year. And then you look back and you go, wow, look what we've accomplished. And But you have to start. Information and inspiration, it's the Goop Pinnacle Podcast with Yuri Hauswald and me, Fatty. Yuri, how are you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing really well, Fatty. Excited to uh, speak to our guests tonight about what they've created out in your neck of the woods. Oh, dude. Uh, Let me tell you a little bit about my neck of the woods, okay? Because I live in what I would consider to be a dream mountain bike destination, and it's two miles from where I live. I'm talking about dozens of miles of single track with more on the way, I swear, every day. And I'm always discovering new single track because there's always new single track. There's long climbs, fast flowy descents, some stuff specially for downhillers only. There's a couple of flow trails and the city's actually okay with it. In fact, it's not just that the city's okay with it. The city actually built it. They bought the land and they are building the trails, and they're beautiful trails, and it's like heaven on earth. And I'm talking about Draper, Utah, and I'm talking about a trail network called Corner Canyon. And our guests today, Jamie Pogue and Jeff Stenquist, are two of the prime movers of this amazing, and I'm going to call it inspirational trail network, because It was an area just sort of situated between some uh, unusual land that, you know, a lot of people like you and I might say, wouldn't it be cool if there were some trails there? And there were a few, you know, homemade, you know, organically grown trails. But now there is a brilliantly conceived and executed trail network. And I'm gushing. You can tell I'm gushing, can't you, Yuri? I can tell. I can feel (laughs) it all the way out here in Northern California, man. Jamie? Jeff, thank you so much for being on the Pinnacle Podcast. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Great. Good to be here. And let's, let's, you know, now that I've embarrassed both of you, hopefully (laughs) very thoroughly, I want, I want you to sort of give me a little bit of background about who you are and how you're associated with uh, Corner Canyon. And then I'm going to ask you each to tell, or tell me a little bit more about this trail network to describe this place that I love so much. Uh, let's start with you, Jamie. How are you associated with Corner Canyon? Um, well, I've been um, involved in the, the volunteer uh, aspect. I've been in, on the trails committee here in Draper, the parks, uh, trails, and rec committee for about 12 years. And I uh, just about a year and a half ago was asked to be the chairman of that committee. So uh, that's how I, I started off just uh, – uh, with an invite from uh, another trail committee member, Ken Murdoch, and we would go out and help uh, Eagle Scouts and volunteer groups, mm. and uh, we would help people be safe when they built trails and help them to build trails the right way and um, did them all by hand. And and then we got more and more involved, and as things kind of uh, blossomed, then it's, uh, it's kind of uh, kind of taken, uh, taken, uh, taken on a life of its own. And now, uh, <clears throat> you know, so that's where I'm at. And uh, just grateful for uh, Jeff and uh, and the city council and the mayor for uh, all their support. It's a very unusual and um, we uh, situation, and we appreciate it. Yeah. So you just sort of started out as a volunteer, just out there, kind of with a pickaxe or whatever, <laughs> and uh, yeah. helping out with the trail. I know that you had an idea for at least one of the trails and kind of brought it to the council. And I want to talk to you about that in a minute. But first of all, let's do talk to. Jeff. Jeff, you're a councilman for the city of Draper, right? Yes, I am. And how how are you involved with Corner Canyon? It is, um, and, and how long have you been involved with Corner Canyon? Well, um, I've lived in Draper for a little over 20 years now, and I've been on the city council for over 11 years. And wow. um, I actually, uh, I'm a cyclist first. Um, I, I started racing mountain bikes back in college in the early nineties 
and uh, been a roadie. And and um, that's kind of how I actually caught on to the city council as I got involved with the city, trying to get the city council to improve cycling safety for um, on some of the, the roads. And, uh, you know, after a, a young woman had been hit and killed by a gravel truck riding her bike, I think it was 2004, um, around uh, the freeway frontage road around Point of the Mountain. And uh, that, and then I had uh, one of my neighbors who was in the state legislature said, hey, you've been doing great work trying to get this, you know, uh, committee together to build bike paths and things like that. And he encouraged me to run for city council. And that's kind of how I got started in the political side of it. So, so as a cyclist on the city council, I've been a, a, an advocate for the trails um, as well. Yeah. So neither of you professional politicians or trail developers, just you kind of came into <laughs> <No>. it <laughs> through, uh, through actually just a, a really, I guess, from the heart, right? I and mean, both of you I know are cyclists. And so this was uh, definitely a project of passion as opposed to, you know, a calculated move. But Yuri, I, I'm, I'm curious you know, I, I've talked a little bit about what about Corner Canyon, and I think maybe I was kind of all over the place. Do you have any idea how big Corner Canyon is and how much trail there is? No, I have none. And that's actually where I'd love to start. I'd love for um, either of our guests to sort of paint a picture for us of what, yeah. you know what I mean, what, what Corner Canyon looks like, the acreage, the terrain, the flora, the fauna, and maybe... Also, the the history, like how much of Corner Canyon existed before you guys became involved, because yeah. uh, I would like to know how it got up to where it was when when you guys became involved with it. So um, maybe you can start on that one, Jamie, if you don't mind. The initial land purchase um, was from uh, our water company who owned the land and wanted to um, to sell it, and they talked about selling it to a developer and uh, we had some people who uh, some citizens who banded together and were able to put it on the ballot and this was back around uh, I think it was original the original purchase around 2005 is that right Jeff that's about about right yeah how much land are we talking about that was uh, 1027 acres and we purchased that. Uh, the The bond was for thirteen million dollars, thirteen million ninety dollars, ninety thousand um, dollars, and and then Salt Lake County and the Quality Growth Commission also each chipped in five hundred thousand. So um, that was that was the first thing. And then um, back uh, uh, a few years ago uh, in two thousand twelve, um, the city purchased another little uh, section called Little Valley, and uh, we. Uh, we purchased another 142 acres for $2.75 million. And then the biggest one was uh, uh, 2,315 acres, which was purchased in a couple of years ago for $5.6 million. Um, and then we also, on top of that, we had 1,287 acres, which were, uh, there, there's a development which uh, which is out, kind of borders Corner Canyon that's called Suncrest. And when to get the density for the housing, uh, it was supposed to be so much, so many houses per acre or whatever. And there was some land that they uh, deeded over to the city. So we got an additional 1,287 acres from them from that. So our total is 4,771 acres. So I, I want to know, because I didn't live here at the time, what was the pitch you made to the cities, to the voters saying, hey, uh, give us give us $13 million so that we can build a mountain bike park? That's an, you know, that's a question that would usually not get a oh sure here let us cut you a check answer. So to maybe and to maybe kind of paint a picture, you've got two main valleys, the Salt Lake Valley and Utah Utah Valley, and so there's you know the main Wasatch Range that's famous for skiing and everything that runs north south. You've got this little mountain. It's it seems little by comparison to the to the tall snow covered peaks that we have, but it's about a the elevation at the top of the mountain is about. Um, 6,000 feet where the valley floor is about 4,500 feet. So you've got about a 2,000 vertical difference. And and mm-hmm. so this is a mountain that separates these two valleys. And the, the majority of that mountain is within Draper city limits. And homes started to be built on top of the mountain. And I think really kind of where this came about was this 
canyon that's, you know, so basically you have the north-south running main Wasatch uh, mountain range, and then you have this traverse mountain that's that's um, kind of a smaller mountain, but still significant, that runs east-west. So that's where Corner Canyon comes in, where those two, that mountain meets the main mountain range. And so that's why it's called Corner Canyon, because it's kind of a, a corner there. Mm-hmm. And so it's it was in that area where those two mountains come together. It was slated for development, and I think it was really just a grassroots group of people in the in the community that said, "Hey, we want to save this from development. We want this to remain as open space." And the people that were involved in that, people like Ann Clark, Ann Parr, and Clark Naylor, these were old time Draper residents, horseback riders mainly. They weren't mountain bikers. They had no vision of building a mountain bike park. They just wanted to save this as open space for future generations. That's kind of how it came about. And the community really got behind that and said, yes, let's let's just preserve some open space. And then we started building trails. Well, guess what? Most people nowadays enjoy trails on a mountain bike rather than a horse. Draper used to be a horse community, but it it no longer is as it's become a, a booming suburb. So that's kind of how, that's who got behind it initially. But then as the trails started to get built out and people started walking the trails and started using them and mountain biking on them, then it it's really been a fascinating thing to watch how it's transformed our community. Our community now is known for mountain biking. It, yeah. We've created an entire mountain biking culture because of our trail network. It, it's, it's that old you know, if you build it, they will come. So it's, it, it, that whole thing really started with the trails. Yeah. And it's been amazing that it's created an entire culture around that. Oh yeah. yeah and I would, add, I would also add too, just as far as like to, to give a, a little bit of a picture of imagine, um, so, so the, the, the vegetation that we have up there is not huge, tall trees. It's uh shorter, like scrub oak, we call them. Um, mm-hmm. they're not, you know, the tall ones are 15 to 20 feet tall. And there's some maples up there as well. And some different pockets of, uh, of, of the, of the Canyon. And there's a few, uh, evergreen tree, you know, pine trees, but for the most part, those are few and far between. And, and for the most part, it's mostly kind of lower vegetation. And so when you're up there riding, <coughs> um, you just get these, it's almost hard to keep your mind on the trail because you get these unbelievable views. And when you get to the very top, um, uh, picture that you're kind of on a little spine that if you look to your left, you can see all the way down across, you know, for 20 miles down into Utah County, you can see Utah Lake. Um, and if you look to the right, you can see all the way to downtown Salt Lake, 20 miles yeah. away. And you can see, you know, and so it's, it's really gorgeous. And, uh, the views are just breathtaking and we do a lot of night riding and imagine, you know, the lights of, of, you know, the, the, the whole city of, of Salt Lake, um, uh, lit up at night as you ride some of these trails. It's just breathtaking. So uh, it's a gorgeous, uh, gorgeous setting. And it's, it's uh, because we are a little lower elevation, you know, we get the, uh, we get the, the, the three, three quarters of the year, whereas the, you know, the park city and the higher elevation trails don't get to, you can't use them during most of the, most of the winter and spring and, and some of the fall. And so we have a, a much longer season. That's, I think that's also contributed to this being like this, uh, becoming this mountain bike Mecca. How many miles would you say of single track there are? We have about 60 miles, um, so far. And, um, we, uh, we'll talk a little bit probably as we go through about the, the new open space master plan, uh, that we've just, uh, up, that the council just approved last, uh, last spring, but, uh, we have planned for another 40. So we'll have around a hundred miles of trails when it's uh, built out. What do you think of that, Yuri? hundred miles of single track just sort of nestled in between neighborhoods. I think that is phenomenal. Um, I can't wait to come out and visit them and ride with them. Uh, I mean, it's such an amazing model and I have so many questions. I, I guess the first thing that jumped out at me and, and, you know, I'm reminded of it every time I try to ride here in Marin County is the relationship with the equestrians. So I've, Really, when you said that it was actually equestrians who were the impetus for the beginning of this area, my ears perked up. So, how is that relationship going? Have they helped with trail building? Are they still out there a lot? Like, what's the current status of that? Or I might even jump in on this one and tell you, Yuri, 
I've been offered more beers by guys on horses than by anyone else in, in around here. And I, I'm being absolutely serious. I, um, I was actually riding with a guy from Pittsburgh uh, who was uh, in town visiting. And it was, uh, we were on the, tra- we were on the trails and came across, you know, a, a group of, you know, I don't know, four or five horses you know, we pulled off to the side. Everyone seems like they, you know, everyone understands the who yields to who around here. And we pulled off and the the guy, as he went by on, on, you know, one of the guys, as he went by on the horse, he struck up a conversation with me and, you know, just sort of a, Hey, have a good ride. Oh man, riding a bike must be a lot harder than riding horses. And, you know, and he's like, Oh, I'm on my way up to go scout for, you know, to do some deer hunting and, you know, and just, you know, passed a few words. And, you know, for me, normalist, Thing in the world and the guy from pittsburgh his mouth just dropped he was like there is so much tension between anyone on horses and bikes where i come from and you know i've seen that elsewhere too but i swear around here i think everyone is just kind of like in awe of where we live and how good we got it <laughs> and everyone's like kind of giving each other a, you know in general a thumbs up hey you know have a nice day good to see you out here I don't know, uh, Jeff, Jamie, what's your sense of that? Well, I mean, that sounds really good. It's good to hear some positive feedback because I think, especially when you're on the council or, or on the trails committee, uh, we sometimes we hear a lot of the negative feedback um, because there are there are always tensions. There are tensions sure. between trail users, and um, and there is some feeling sometimes. You know, as as people have just flocked to this area at, with mountain bikes, I mean, it's just become it's a mount, you know, this mountain bike Mecca. And so some of the other trail users do feel a little bit pushed out sometimes, whether it's the hikers, the equestrians, and that's our biggest challenge right now is, um, you know, it's, it's being used so much and loved so much that, uh, sometimes that does bring with it some, some trail conflicts. But I think that it has been actually pretty remarkable. Um, when you look at our, and I think the core of the group that's made this successful is our parks and trails committee that Jamie chairs um, because we do have a mix. We've got some of the horse people and we've got runners and we've got nature people and, um, and everybody comes together on that committee and works out our issues and talks about, I think that's one of the things that's actually made this whole thing very successful. You know, not everyone in the country that may be listening to this could replicate the opportunities that we had to acquire the land, but, I think people could take some lessons from how we structured our committee and how we communicate and work through some of the if issues that we have to, you know, minimize the the problems. It's a little imbalanced because of the, the popularity of mountain biking compared to the other um, the other users, and so we're trying to right now build more uh, trails for the hikers and build more trails that are specifically for the the horseback uh, the, the equestrians, so that they can have a good experience up there and enjoy it without feeling like uh, there's a conflict. And so user conflicts are always a problem, but, uh, um, but we're working hard every, every day trying to uh, minimize those things. And I, um, one last uh, uh, comment that I would make about our, uh, about our city and about our trails committee is that um, from an outsider, uh, Joey Klein, who is a, an IMBA, trails guru, master trail builder, travels all over the world, uh, has been here from the get-go um, helping us, uh, helped kind of guide some of the early on when they were starting to come up with a master plan. You know, this is, um, we need uh, trailheads. You, know, you need trails that loop. You need trails, you know, they need to go someplace. They need to see, you know, this and that and and how to build the trails according to EMBA guidelines. But um, And he comes back and is just amazed that we've been able to carry out a lot of that plus more. And uh, he always, every time he's here, he makes a comment that this is, that we shouldn't take it for granted, that we, we really need to remember how special this place is, how the, the, the city, um, we don't have to argue with land managers about use of the, of the land. We don't have to, we're not fighting with each other. We're all getting along and it's really a unique, uh, and I think it just boils down to like Jeff said, it's just the people that we, we all get along, we respect each other and we hash it out and we, um, I told one of the other councilmen, councilwomen, um, not long ago when we were talking about some of the stuff that goes on in our committee, and I said, uh, I cannot remember in all the, the years that I've been on this committee that we've ever discussed anything and uh, gotten to the point where we decided to vote that we didn't have a unanimous vote. 
And I think that's the key to it. We all get it, get it all of our opinions in there and we make sure that everybody's happy before we put it up for a vote. And that makes it, makes it so that we're all give and take. That's a great way to operate for sure in many aspects of life. So I'm going to kind of uh, switch the direction here and just ask you guys a very selfish question because my wife is the executive director of the NorCal High School League out here in Northern California. So, And I know, Lori, you're a league director, so I'm assuming you guys are familiar with the Utah High School League? Very so, very much so. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. I love to hear that. So I'm wondering, like, how has your trail network and system, you know, affected the growth of that or, or vice versa? Or what has been the, the reaction to the trails there and, and youth development? Well, I, um, uh, I sit on the board, uh, here in Utah for the cycling league and, uh, my wife yes. is the, the head Thank coach you. here. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, my wife, Whitney is the head coach of, uh, our local high school team. And to give you, I, I call it a perfect storm because we had, um, Corner Canyon really started to get popular and lots of trails being built and all that, the, the momentum started. And then, um, uh, about four years ago, I think we, we opened the new high school and, uh, my wife had started a, a team over at the, one of the little charter schools. And we had 17 members on that first team, the first year of our league here. And then when the new Corner Canyon opened up, they asked her to be the coach over there. And so she went over and we went from 17. I, I help her coach. And we went from 17 to um, 75 the first year and uh, of, the, of the new high school. Then we went to 104 the next year and then 140-something the following <laughs> year. And then 162 signed up this year. We had a few that that uh, we kicked off for grades or dropped out. But uh, we ended up with about, over, about, about 145 uh, we have uh, consistently had the biggest mountain bike team in the country. And I, I think that because we have a lot of people who enjoy the trails and we've got the trails and we've got this new school and we've got all these kids who enjoy it. I think it's like, like I said, it's a perfect storm and it's been, uh, it's been a huge, huge success. Now it also creates some challenges because there's so many kids out there on the trail. And yeah. you know, Je- Jeff is also the coach of one of the the junior Devo teams here. So I'll let him talk about that too. But we, one of our issues is we have all these surrounding teams that, that use the Canyon. So it's creating some, some user, you know, but we're using, we're using it over, over using it a little bit, but, uh, yep. but they're, they are getting off the couch and they're not playing Xbox. They're out on their bike. So that's nice. That's the most important thing. I'm wondering, you know, how have you guys discussed ways that you could possibly mitigate that? Have you thought about like, you know, an odd, even day or, or designated days to, to mitigate traffic out there? We, we have. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, and this kind of goes back to what I was saying before that, you know, the trail system has created this culture. And I think that, um, you know, the fact that we have the largest high school team in the nation right here is, is a direct result of that. And, and my team, I, I coach the local middle school that feeds into the high school. And, and I have this last year, um, we, we just started a junior Devo program, I think three years ago. And my first year I had 35 kids on the that's just seventh and eighth graders just two grades and this last (laughs) year this and then i went to 65 and this last year i had 98 so oh my god so i think i'm the largest the largest (laughs) junior devo fatty (laughs) we love ourselves some mountain bikes man so (laughs) i mean so that's why i i hold my practice i don't hold my practices on the same day that corner canyon holds their practices because then we'd have 260 kids at the same time and and it gets pretty crazy and and then all, you've got all those coaches and so what it's yeah. what it means is that now that's what you know most of the coaches you know every you know I know that with the with the high school team and with our team we have to have you know 15 20 25 adults just to run a single practice oh my goodness. and so that becomes that that has become what parents do with their kids you know yeah. You know, moms and dads want to come out and spend time with their kids. So they come coach on the high school team or the middle school team and, um, and it becomes a family thing, you know? And so that's, that just perpetuates that, that culture of mountain biking. And then they go on vacation and where do they go? They go to places like Moab or, or other places and they mountain bike on vacation and, and, um, it, it becomes a real family thing. I, I know that's one of the reasons I do it. You know, I've got a son that I've been coaching with the league since, um, the first year we started it 
because because of my son and it was an excuse for me to go ride my bike right i love that i've heard that from so many of my buddies who are fathers now how uh it's gotten them back on the bike and connected with their son or daughter and i, I don't know the exact stat but i i want to say it's about 70 they say like 70 percent of the parents or something like that at least out here um get back into cycling in some way because their child being involved in the league. So it's this amazing movement, literally, you know, getting people to move and engage with their, with their children, which is great. And like you say, taking vacations to, to Moab, which then becomes a source of revenue, um, for, you know, towns. Um, so it's a, it's an awesome cycle. So, so on the, on the flip side of that though, um, it, it has caught the attention of other you know, members of the city council and, and, mm -hmm. um, other leaders that, you know, they, they all look at me cause I'm, I'm the bike guy on the council and, and, um, I have to kind of maybe explain it a little bit, you know, of what's going on. Cause they hear complaints from residents, you know, some guy will be running down the trail and they'll encounter a group yeah. of, you know, 12, you know, all these, all these groups of kids out there and, and sometimes it creates some conflicts. And so then they come and complain to the city leaders about it. And so there has been some talk about, you know, well, you know, are they, should we make them pay a fee? Should we restrict the number that are allowed on a team? And we've had lots of conversations and, and a few arguments about the right way to go about that. And, and, um, you know, what we're trying to accomplish if, you know, what can we do to address, um, you know, user conflicts? We want to, we want people to enjoy it. We don't want to restrict people, but, um, the high school teams, have become kind of a target, you know, because they're, they are the largest organized group, um, of users. Mm -hmm. And so they've kind of become a target for that. But, and, but we've had some conversations about coming to, um, you know, something that's fair because it's fair that the teams are putting a lot of use on the, on the trails and not just the trails, but the trail heads, um, with all the parking and the organizing and everything. Um, but you know, we've, we've, we've had some constructive conversations about how to balance those things, but those are the kind of things that we have to work through as we we're kind of figuring this out as we go. We don't, we haven't really found a, a model to follow. So we're kind of making it up as we go. You're in some ways a, a, a victim of your own success, right? You, you create exactly. an incredible network of trails and it turns the area, the neighborhoods, uh, surrounding all those trails into places that are really attractive to people like me, right? And people who love mountain bikes. And of course, you know, the, what what we wind up doing is bringing our kids into mountain biking. And of course, that means more and more people. And so, yeah, of course, it gets so that it is highly used. And you know, and, and then the second vector, I guess, that you that you guys are having to figure out is. You you've done something that is in as far as I know I don't know if it is unique I should I shouldn't say that because it's not like I've studied the U.S. but there aren't a lot of trail networks that are city funded and city supported with sixty miles of single track and forty more on plan around <laughs> you don't you just don't find right those yeah around. And I, that's exactly and I think I think part of the thing that makes this uh, somewhat unique. I know there's other communities like that um, that are you know have um, maybe similar opportunities, but um, I think the the main thing is that, that we have so much acreage, you know, 4,800 acres mm -hmm. at our at our disposal, um, but that it's so close to yeah. you know the suburbs. You don't have to drive up into the mountains or or, or long distances. It's it's right there where you live, and so yeah, so I people never can go drive to go to Corner Canyon. I don't know. Do yeah. either of you have to. You you no, all. No. Go to, go to the trails from your front door, just like I do, right? And yeah, I'm just on the other side of the mountain from you. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I'm in Alpine, which is a different mm -hmm. city, but it just means I ride up Hog Hollow to get to it. Right? And just for just to FYI, uh, we're the biggest mountain bike team in the country in high school. Jeff has the high, biggest middle school. Uh, <laughs> guess guess who's uh, right on our heels is uh, Lone Peak, which is over in your neck of the woods. So yep, and there's yep. there's there's three or four teams over there on your side. That also no are using the canyon, yeah, and and that's yeah exactly. The, both sides of that um, of that land are are, are are like you said, no coincidence that they're they're huge teams and lots of people involved. I, yeah. I would say too, though, that that one of the things that we are doing to help um, is we're requiring um, we're requiring our kids to go and 
and do trail work every year we've done that we try to get oh, back somehow um, yeah. and and we we go out and either you know do days where we try to do tra- pass out trail etiquette cards uh, we try to go out and and you know be and, and and I think too that that the 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 NICA league and the the way that it's set up our kids get a lot of uh, reminders every single practice about how trail etiquette works and who yields to who. And I would say that our kids are probably some of the more courteous users. Um, so we're trying to make sure that the next generation uh, can can respect the other users and can you know uh, respect you know the, the other uh, the other bikers as well as the other you know users that are in Canyon. I think that's a really good point because you know with the you know as we're talking about the the, t- the youth teams you know, they are getting that training that most of us, you know, gr- who grew up mountain biking in the past didn't have that kind of training on trail etiquette and things like that. So I think that's really beneficial. I, I told, um, uh, Jamie and Whitney about an experience that I had just riding. I was down in Moab. I was riding a trail, came upon three corner Canyon high school riders. They didn't know who I was, but they were just standing on the side of the trail and they were just they just told me to have a great ride and they were really courteous. And, and I, I told them that afterward, I say, Hey, I ran into these three guys and, and good job because they were just, even though they weren't here, they were somewhere else. They were still showing that same courtesy to other trail users. And I think that's a, that's a great thing to foster, um, among the mountain bike community. What has to come together? If you are, you know, imagine you are not, uh, in a place that has all of this land. What are the forces that still can come together if you were, you know, wanting to have a great trail network and you're wanting to bring the community together in the way you guys have? If you were starting it over, what are the lessons you've learned? During my tenure on the council is kind of as, you know, the purchase of Corner Canyon came about just as I was coming onto the council. And so I've, I've seen how this has evolved and what started to really turn on the light bulb for me from a, from a city perspective and for my fellow council members who weren't necessarily trail users at all was when they started to get feedback, people started really raving about these trails. We would, we would have people come to us and say, this is what I love about living in this community is the trail network. They wouldn't they wouldn't necessarily praise well, we, we got more praise for our trail network than we did about our parks or anything else that we were providing as a city. They weren't, they weren't telling us how much they love the garbage service or the, or the street repair or those kind of things. And that, that started to feed on itself that there, we saw that there was a demand from our residents for that type of an amenity in the community. You know, people want to have rec centers, they want to have splash pads, they want to have swimming pools. But um, more than any of that, the trail network is the one thing that they love to have. And, and I have had, I cannot tell you how many people have come up to me and said, I moved to this community specifically so I could be close to these trails. Wow. And, that, and that then fosters into our business community that, that, that boosts our, our uh, home values, property values. And so you can start to look at, we, people started looking at it from an economic development standpoint, that this is something that, you know, is a real uh, attraction for our community that, that we can market our community as a great place to live and recreate. Um, that, that's really, I think where the city, everybody on the city started getting behind it and started supporting it with, with, funding. If you want to know, I can go over sort of our, uh, the nuts and bolts of, of kind of Jeff and I talked about this as far as like what constitutes, what, 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 what's our team and, and who does it consist of and, and how does it work? If you want me to go through that, I can, I can name it off really quickly. And, and that kind of gives you the, 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 um, the blueprint. <clears throat> so yeah, I was going to say, I think that sounds really useful to having just a sort of an overview of you know, how you guys do it, you know, how, how is it the sausage made? So we have a, (laughs) we have a, our sausage consists of, um, so we have a mayor and a city council and and the mayor's a cyclist too, by the way. So he's a very supportive guy and he was on the council with Jeff before 
uh, he became mayor. So he's a very big advocate as well. This is, I mean, really, here's your whole answer, Yuri. <laughs> yeah, I know, right here. Get, get you just need everyone elected. in the city council to be hardcore <laughs> yeah. mountain bikers. Yeah. Well, they're not, but you, you, you just kind of get the right. But we've got a mayor and city council who support. You know, they, they helped with land acquisition, trail and trailhead development, maintenance costs, and that kind of stuff. And then recently, they uh, allocated money not only for trails, but a full-time park ranger, which is huge, right? Uh, so we have, and then we have law enforcement. Because uh, we we've had a lot of ATVs that were able to use this area before we bought it, and so you know, uh, and then kids go up there, and there's supposed to be fires up there and stuff. So we have you know we have uh, law enforcement that helps. We have some animal control people that uh, that patrol as well as some of our officers. Um, then we have city staff. So we have a trails and open space specialist Greg Hillbig, and then uh, and he used to work with the Forest Service. So very very good guy to have on our side and get, have on our team. And then we've got an enge- engineering department uh, staff member brad jensen who he's sort of the liaison between our committee and the city council and the city leaders uh, and then his his engineering background also helps because he can throw in you know hey we want to build a trail here and he can help us with okay well it needs to be 10 percent or less according to emba standards and so he can lay it out on the map and we can go up and he helps us to uh to lay out you know flagging the trail and help to to do that then we have our um, parks and trails and recreation committee. And, uh, so we've got about, uh, you know, 10 to 12 at any given time, uh, that, you know, and they consist of, you know, bikers, equestrians, hikers. Um, and then we meet monthly. Sometimes we meet twice a month. Um, we, we form a, we, we kind of our I think our job is sort of to carry out the open space master plan that the city has adopted. And, uh, we kind of use a priority list type situation where we, we, Every year we kind of go through that list and see what we've done and what we've we've checked off the list and then what we've got coming up for the following year. And then, you know, how much money we have and resources and and volunteers to do this and that. Um, And then we just update that every year and go forward. And then we have lots of lots of lots of volunteers. We have Eagle Scouts, uh, mountain bike teams, corporate teams. You know, we have REI. uh, We have a lot of other little corporate uh, teams that come out and help. And then uh, a few years ago, uh, a guy named Bill Becker um, opened a Trails Foundation, which is a 501c3 nonprofit. And uh, we modeled that after um, we, we talked a lot to the Park City people, Charlie Sturgis up there, who uh, heads up their Mountain Trails Foundation. And we sort of modeled it after them. And, and so we, uh, we give the people who want to contribute or give back or, or to say thanks, we give them this uh, avenue to, um, to donate money. And then Bill... Uh, comes into our meetings and uh, says, oh, I've got some money to do this or I can help with that. And so that helps us, uh, especially with, and, and Jeff can talk more to this point of it, I don't understand it as well as he does, but uh, there are impact fees that the city collects and some of those need matches. And so uh, when, the, when the Trails Foundation comes through, every dollar he puts in is a dollar that the city doesn't have to put in to match. Um, so anyway, those are, that, that sort of makes up our, 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 our team, if you will. And, um, and I, I hope that the, the one message I would tell people is, is just, just get involved and just try and do what you can give your talents, give your time. And it seems like a, a lot of land was purchased and a lot of money. And it seems like a lot of work, but it's done day by day and it's done week by week and month by month and year to year. And then you look back and you go, wow, look what we've accomplished. And but you have to start. I actually, I had no idea that there was that much, uh, that there were that many moving parts to keep this, uh, to keep this working, or that you had that much, uh, you know, actually salaried full time support working on it. That's pretty impressive. Where does where does the money for for new trails and for uh, and for building trails and, and for you know all of the things that keep this going? Apart from the city, where does that come from? You mentioned donations, but uh, I'm—I guess I wasn't really all that aware of, you know, money or uh, fundraising being done. Well, most of that money does come from city taxpayer funds. Hmm. Uh, okay, and uh, and yeah, that includes full-time staff. Um, that and and we have ongoing, um, you know, maintenance expenses as well as, um, you know, one-time, you know, project. Uh, capital projects that we're doing, um, and and the the source of revenue is, has has varied. Um, 
you know, obviously the, the initial $13 million was a, a general obligation bond. So every taxpayer in Draper um, has a line item on their property tax bill that is paying off the, the Corner Canyon bond. And um, when we purchased the, uh, uh, in 2012, the 2,500 acres for 5.6 million, that, that was, that was a, that was just a gift. I mean, that was a, that was an incredibly unique opportunity because there was a development that had gone bankrupt and it was a huge development that were going to be 3,500 homes all over the mountain. And when it went bankrupt, um, we approached, uh, the bank and, and to see if we could purchase it, uh, or purchase at least a portion of it. And they said, well, we won't, we don't want to just sell you a, a little piece. Let's just sell you. They just wanted to dump it off their books. And so, but that was an expensive thing for us to do um, because we had to basically borrow that money. And um, now we're looking to um, sell off a couple of pieces um, for development and allow some development in, in some areas um, to to recoup some of that um, revenue. But that, that also brings up a, so there's those, there's those initial, you know, land purchase expenses, but then the ongoing, you know, costs of, of the the trail specialists and the maintenance, and now we, we're we've just um, allocated money in the budget f- to hire a park ranger to be a full time person uh, over the canyon. Um, those ongoing expenses um, that's a lot for a municipality to handle. I mean, th- this is on the scale of what you would normally expect to be a state park, um, and yet we're 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 handling that as a city, and that's been a little bit a, a source of of friction because um, even though most of the expenses are being borne by Draper taxpayers, there, this is a this is an area that's certainly enjoyed by um, people from the entire region as well as you know even beyond that. And and so, um, like me, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, people coming from out of town. I, I, I'm I'm amazed. I go up there and I run into people from from Australia and, and just people that are in town from wherever. And they're, they're riding our trails in little old, you know, Draper, Utah. And, uh, I always laugh, uh, Jeff, I'll interrupt you for a sec. This is a funny story, but I actually was going to the trailhead one day and I thought, you know, we've arrived when Charlie Sturgis from the park city trails foundation is riding corner Canyon trails, you know, you've made it. (laughs) (laughs) So, so I guess all I can say is if anybody comes to ride our trails Buy some gas, stop at the gas station, go to the local restaurants, help us with our tax base a little bit. <laughs> Speaking of tax base, have you guys seen, uh, uh, you know, I mean, maybe 12 years isn't a long enough period of time to look at it, but a, a, a market increase in population growth? Well, Draper's a, has been a growing community uh, for about 20 years. Um, and and that's, you know, I think that growth was going to happen regardless. Yeah. Um, so um, I don't know. Th- I don't know that I would necessarily attribute it uh, just to the, the the trails or anything like that. But I think I think it it's it it certainly is like like we were saying. It's one of the things that attracts people to this community. And in fact, I I, um, I was I traveled with the mayor a few years ago, uh, and met with representatives from eBay, and we, you know, eBay came in and bought a big you know build a big uh, campus. Um, here that employs a lot of people and we have other tech companies and things like that coming. So that's, that's significant when we, when we can, you know, when we approach a company that is interested in locating here that we can, um, you know, point to that, you know, I, I've, I've told our uh, city manager that, you know, the next time, you know, some representative from some company that is looking to locate here wants to, wants to come check out the community, we just need to take up, take them up on the trails and, and that I think that's a huge selling point. Most definitely. So, guys, before we close, I want you to tell me each what is your favorite trail on Corner Canyon and why. Well, I came up with this harebrained idea several years ago that it'd be nice to uh, because we were starting to have some user conflict, and I was uh, I wasn't chairman at the time. I was a member of the committee, but uh, I thought uh, this is kind of before. Uh, just as, as some of the flow trails and some of the bike, you know, one directional kind of bikes only type trails were being built across the country. And I came up with this idea that maybe we should try to, to pitch an idea for a mountain bike trail only with no horses or no dogs. And it was only going to be one way and that was going to be downhill. And 
so that the bikers could get out there and just let it loose and um, not have to worry about somebody coming up the trail towards them and uh, they could uh, not worry about by uh, horses or, or dogs or anything on the trail and so I kind of pitched it to some of the members of the committee and uh, they seemed to like the idea so we pitched it to the city council and so we we uh, from that we we hatched the idea for what became the rush trail so um, that's my favorite just because it's my, my baby. Um, the, the, uh, it's a, it's a, from the top of the Canyon down to the bottom and it's, uh, it's got some nice little berms and jumps and things like that. And kind of the big thoroughfare for people to get down the hill now. And it kind of helps with, uh, <laughs> I always say that the one trail we don't have any user conflict on is, is the rush trail because <laughs> there are no, there are no users other than bikes on there. So it's it, it does help the, uh, the other trails too. So. And that uh, was that, why that was I, my thing. <laughs> I was going to say, and that was why I asked that question, or at least part of why I asked that question. Because yeah, I know that 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 Rush is your baby, and I wonder how many times I have ridden down that. And I want to tell you, Jamie, that every single time I go down that, I think I am so glad that Jamie had this harebrained idea to <laughs> build this trail. I know I remember when you you showed it to a group of uh, us on a map. And we all looked at it and we're like, uh-huh. And now it is, I, I would say probably, well, I, you know, I, I can't say for sure, but it seems like it is the one of, well, it is one of the must-ride trails in Corner Canyon. So all that said, it is not my favorite, it, but it is one of my favorites. I want to hear yeah, what yours There are some things about it that I don't like as well as... And could be improved, and so, but uh, because it's it's my baby, it's my. But the, yeah, I like some of the other trails uh, better now too. Uh, but but uh, <laughs> fun fun, you know, that's the that's the great thing about it. We have a good variety, and uh, you know, that's the that's the beauty of it. Yep, yep. How about you, Jeff? You know, Rush is a great trail, and it is that is the trail that most people when they come to Corner Canyon they they want to go ride that trail, and that's the, and so it it is a great thing, and and it really does help. We've learned that that's one of the techniques that really helps alleviate some of the user conflict. Cause usually the user conflict is with downhill bikers, guys going too fast downhill. And so if we can give, give those of us that want to go fast downhill a place to go and do it safely, that really helps alleviate it from, from a lot of other trails. My, one of my personal favorites, actually, I like the Jacob's ladder trail. Um, because it is one of the more technically challenging trails that we have, both to climb it and to get up there and to come down. It's not mm. it's per se an official trail because some of it's on Forest Service land, um, and it's a lot of old kind of Jeep and ATV trails, but that's that's one that I really like is because it's some of our other trails, you know, aren't aren't maybe as technically challenging. Um, Rush is fun, but Jacobs is a little bit, you know, a notch above from a challenging standpoint. Let's hear about yours, Fatty. Yeah. My favorite is Clark's, um, which used to be an up and down trail and now is an uphill only trail. And I swear that Clark's was designed to be a single speeders test. It is my yardstick. (laughs) Right. I, 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 I love it because it hurts so bad, but is just barely uh, a low enough grade that you can do it without having to get off and walk. And at it, the top, so, it gets steeper and steeper yeah, and steeper. Yeah. It, it beats me up. It hurts. And it is just a fantastic trail. And <laughs> I love that I don't have to keep, you know, since I'm, you know, staring down at my knees as I'm you know, grinding up that sucker I'll that tell I don't you a, have to worry about someone coming down. <laughs> I'll tell you a story, actually. Years ago, um, when as we were just starting to build out trails, and Clark's was one of the first that we built, you wrote a blog post, and it was something like, you know, a love letter to Draper or something oh, yeah. like that. Yep. I remember and, this. This was famous yeah. in our city, in our in our trails committee, this was, yeah, you, you I, I read that, I read that blog post in a city council meeting to the other city council members trying to convince them to build more trails. So <laughs> that helped. Cool. You had a part. part. Yep. <laughs> so Yuri, you got to get out here. I think, I think that's the upshot of this whole, of this whole episode. Well, you know, I have ulterior motives that I'm, I'm <laughs> I want to, I want to pitch a magazine on doing a, a piece on Draper. So 
Uh, hopefully I will have a, an excuse to come out there and shoot the trails with Scott Mark Witz or somebody like that. So I'd love to get out there. And I extend it out to you guys that um, you, if you come out to Northern California, we should visit a somewhat similar, well, not really, but uh, the area of Downeyville and Gray Eagle and it's an area in the Sierras that is seeing a lot of growth um, that's based around trail development. Really cool. All right. A lot, lot of love in this episode of the Goo Pinnacle podcast. I like seeing that. And it is, if, if you ask me, it doesn't get any more inspiring or informational than that. You got guys who have, you know, claim to have a perfect storm of the right things fall into place. But the fact is you guys carved, you know, you carved the square pegs until they fit the round holes, right? It's hard work is really your magic secret to success. Yeah. It's, it's not, it has been a lot easy <laughs> by a lot of people. I mean, that really has been just a lot of people that have uh, contributed. And it is organic too, you know, fatty. Um, one, one last thought is just, uh, we, we find that as, as just like Jeff was saying, as just like your blog post talking about Clark's sort of inspired people to do other trails. And uh, as we've built more trails and other you know, you know, cities that are adjacent to this, um, we're now seeing corporate donations and citizens group get involved. We've got a, another private um, um, community that's being built over on the backside or on your side where the, where the sliding rock is that uh, they want to connect to our trails. And so it sort of takes on, it becomes organic and it sort of uh, people get, um, get excited about it and they, and, and then it gets, a, it gets some legs and it gets sort of this momentum. And so I think that once you get it going, it, uh, it becomes easier to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people want to do the right thing. All they need to do is have someone point the way and, you guys are doing that. I think that is fantastic. Yuri, any last words or thoughts from you? I just think this is such a, an amazing legacy um, that you guys are leaving to the community out there. And I know it's just not you that have helped get it to where it is, but it's uh, it's it's really cool to think that this will just inspire so many people to get outdoors and be active, not necessarily just on bikes, but the and then the whole relationship with the equestrians is really impressive. We could uh, learn a few lessons from you guys out here in Northern California for sure. But uh, thank you for for what you're doing, and I can't wait to come ride with you. We welcome the you know, we'll we'll show you around. Come come ride with us. Thank you for having us. You know, for everyone here at Goo Energy, thanks so much for listening to the Goo Pinnacle Podcast. <laughs>